This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Oh, geez, upstairs getting his coffee, getting ready to go. But Doug, that doesn't mean that you and I need to wait. We, nope. get, we get the show moving. Somebody's here on time. The usual we, two are here on time. We take a one-week break, and the diva decides... No, we start when I start. I need a little bit more time. Yeah, come on. We're starting another eight weeks of recordings, and I think, Doug, that means time for a salute to our troops, don't you think? Shout out. Absolutely. We just had a great break, and we were able to do that because of the men and women who give us the freedom to do what we love to do. And on behalf of the men and women at Navy Federal Credit Union, helping their members who are their mission, and... On behalf of the men and women making podcasts here in mom's basement, big shout out to our troops. Let's go stack some Benjamin. I love how you're toasting them, A, with a cup of coffee, and to, there's nobody looking, Joe. <laughs> there really isn't, <laughs> They is don't there? know you're toasting them with a well, cup of coffee. Well, I am. Just, I'm raising a glass. Maybe they assume it every time of, someone thinks Of some them. of the worst coffee we've it had in a long time. so bad. This is, this is uh, life on the road. Cheers. I'm actually Snavely being of sound mind and body to hereby bequeath the following. To my wife Rose, who spent money like there was no tomorrow, I leave $100 and a calendar. To my sons, Rodney and Victor, who spent every dime I ever gave them on fancy cars and fast women, I leave $50 in dimes. And to my other friends and relatives who also never learned the value of a dollar, I leave a dollar. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and today is the piano man's birthday. No, I'm not talking about me. Billy Joel is one of the best-selling artists of all time, which is perfect because we've got our own bestseller here today. To help you think about financial freedom as soon as possible, we welcome the team behind the new Topia app, Grant Sabatier and Logan Leckie. For our TikTok Minute, we learn about the coolest thing some of you own that wasn't expensive. In our headlines, what's going on with the stock market? We've got thoughts. Plus, we'll throw out the Haven Lifeline, and then I'll have my Uptown Trivia. And now, 
two guys who love you just the way you are, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. Hey there, Stackers. We are back. Welcome back to another eight weeks of recording in the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe Salcihi, Average Joe Money on Twitter, and this is the greatest money show on earth if you're new here, because, oh gee, we've got a circus of fun for people today. We're talking stock market, we're talking new fintech apps, we're talking financial independence. Heck, we might even talk about financial planning basics. It's going to get crazy here in the basement. Is this what they call an evergreen episode, Joe? <laughs> this is a very evergreen episode. And, and why don't we start off there? We may apologize if there's something going on in the world today. because that we're blissfully unaware of. Yes, because uh, we are uh, recording a little early. However, you know what, OG? You think long-term anyway, right? You think long-term. Nice save, Joe. Yes. <laughs> Let's put a positive spin on this. But it is about the long-term. So we are going to focus on that today for a variety of reasons. But before we get... Grant Sabatia and Logan Leckie here. We got a great headline. And even before that, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? You want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words... Your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Grant Sabatier, Mr. Financial Freedom, and Logan Leckie, app developer, here to talk about financial independence. So to get them down here, let's get to our headline. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamin's Headlines. Our headline is a few weeks old now, but it makes a good point. OG, Netflix hits its ceiling. Paid subscriber decline brings renewed focus on password sharing. Bad news is you and I can no longer share the same password for our Netflix, all of us, because it appears Netflix is onto our game, maybe onto everybody's game. Dan Gallagher writes, when it comes to streaming, 222 million seems to be the new sound barrier. Paid subscribers to Netflix would have just surpassed that number if not for the company's suspension of its service in Russia during the first quarter. Including that impact, Netflix actually saw quarterly paid subscribers fall for the first time in years. And with that fall, OG, 
kind of brings up a question. A lot of people have said, hey, you buy these stocks and you hold them for the long term, right? Netflix seems to have hit a speed bump where, I don't know, if you don't have Netflix yet, you're like that one person in America that might not have it. It seems like there's always got to be a reevaluation as Netflix is adding commercials to try to get a few more people in, which means even Netflix's numbers. They're not adding commercials to get people in. They're adding commercials to find a new way to monetize. Well, sure, but they're adding commercials to to add subscribers that don't want to pay the subscription fee. So you can either oh, okay. you can either pay saying. the fee or or they're going to find money and increase their subscriber kind of another way. But it feels like Netflix is doing the inevitable slowdown now that everybody has Netflix. They're also going after password sharing. Why? Because they need new sources of revenue. It feels like, oh, gee, this idea of, hey, I just buy Microsoft and I hold it forever, buy Netflix and I hold it forever. With individual stocks, the reason I bring this to the table is I just think this is another it's another um, indicator that you probably always got to be weeding that garden if you're buying individual stocks, like reevaluating. Oh, well, and obviously now is probably not the day to, to, to decide that Netflix doesn't belong there. The day to decide that Netflix didn't belong there was, uh, you know, a few weeks ago before their uh, right. earnings announcement. This is why it's so difficult to try to pick long-term winners. Now, depending on when you bought Netflix, it might be you still might be up five hundred thousand percent or whatever. You know, I mean, Netflix has been around for twenty years, probably. You know, I mean, you could have bought it when they were hawking DVDs, mailing them to you. You'll have less money than you did the other day, but still pretty good. So. That's important to recognize too, but when you look at like the big, big outsized returns of the stock market over the last, let's say five or ten years or so, it's been denominated in large U.S. tech companies. You know the proverbial fangs of the world, right? It's Facebook and Apple and Netflix and Google, and and that cycle may be changing a little bit. You know, or if it's going to be tech stocks, it might not be those tech stocks, which makes it that much more difficult to buy individual positions and keep them for a long time. Like you said, you want to keep them forever, but it's kind of hard, hard to, to do that with an, yeah, hard to do that with an individual stock. Cause if you think about Netflix, I mean, we're old enough to remember Netflix pivoting from sending you DVDs in the mail to streaming. I think yeah. a lot of people then are going, old enough to, to remember that, honestly. And then going from streaming to really a, a very big focus on original content, right? I mean, you go to Netflix for stuff that Netflix makes now versus before yeah. you go to, you know, watch Indiana Jones and the Temple well, of Doom. Well, yeah, or- actually now you have to because so many of the owners of the the rights to the big movies, they have their own streaming platforms. Yeah. And so no Netflix can't get access to those things and they've got to create their own stuff. I was just thinking about, hey, when you were going through the acronym of FANG, OG, I, I thought the A was Amazon. I, I always there's, did. There's but, two A's um, actually, but you're. There's two A's in Fang. It's Fang. 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 Uh, like A Ron. <laughs> I'll write A Ron. Uh, <laughs> but in commerce, in, in Amazon's world, there's a lot of ways to diversify your revenue streams. And it seems like in entertainment that there's a little, little less. So, how with your individual stocks, OG, do you decide when to sell? Like, as an example, you said the day to sell would have been just before the earnings report a few weeks ago, right? Where they announced all this disappointing stuff. Do you have a series of filters? Do you have a time frame that you work from? Like when you're buying individual stocks, how do you decide this is my exit? I don't have any idea. Yeah. Because I mean, when you look at Netflix as an example, you have to have so much more information before you say, well, this is this is a good or bad purchase or sale. I mean, 
hindsight's always twenty twenty. So it looked like a really good time to sell it a couple of weeks ago. But maybe today is the day you have to sell it. Maybe today is the best day that there's going to be, right? I mean, I don't have really any any idea as it relates to individual stock buying and selling because when you look at a stock price, it's really about the long-term prospects of future earnings. And and that's reflected in today's price. The other thing that you have to consider is if you're owning Netflix, when did you purchase it? You know, if you bought it at a dollar and today it's, I don't know, whatever it is, 300 something or whatever the number, you know, it's pretty good. It's not as good as it was a few weeks ago, but but it's pretty good. Then again, today might be the best day that it's ever going to have from here on out. It might be as high as it's ever going to be. And, uh, you know, I think that when you go into individual stock ownership, you have to recognize where you've had an excess return beyond what you would normally get. And anything above that excess return, I think you have to really seriously consider taking off the table. Because if you're buying individual stocks, you're doing so because you think that you can do better than just dumping it in an ETF. So if you're going to have some sandbox money, or if you're going to go buy an individual stock, or if you're going to be a stock trader, you better be doing 10% a year. And if you, all of a sudden your stock does 15% in a week, I think you have to recognize that, hmm, normally stocks go up 10% a year. I just made 15% in a week. What does that mean? <laughs> you know, That means that you won and it's time to you know cash in that excess return. That's how I've always thought about it anyway. And and on the downside, you're even you're even more perplexed because again, Netflix announced, hey, we lost twenty-five percent of our subscribers. And oh, by the way, we think we're gonna lose two million more next year or next quarter. Crap. Incoming. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like just like in your bigger picture financial life, start with the end in mind. If you're buying an individual stock, you better have a goal. You're, and then as soon as you hit that goal or exceed it, think about your, have an exit strategy. Think about getting out. Is that, did I summarize that at all accurately? I think so. I'm just looking at, cause I, I, I didn't actually look at Netflix stocks. I was just kind of aware of it. So, well, and obviously we're recording this a little bit behind. So Netflix may have done even more from the time that we record this to the day that we're Airing they this. could be out of business right they, now. Yes. Yeah, here's what I'm seeing. They used to be 700. It's down 65% in six months. Wow. It was 700 a share, and now it's 220. So here's the real question. By the time this airs, does Netflix have a new name called Disney Plus Plus? What's Is that the what? over-under on Netflix between the day that we record it and the day that you hear it? Uh, 226.19. Uh what it shows right now. But here's another great example. So you zoom out, right? So I just said, hey, in the last six months, Netflix is down 65%. Oh, it takes a breath away, right? In the last 12 months, it's down 55%. In the last five years, it's up 60%. Yeah, you're still winning big. You know, I mean, if you bought it five years ago, yeah. If you bought it when it started, you're up 18,000%. But if you're just buying the fangs, OG, because that's a, you know, that was such a term, you got your butt kicked. Yeah, depending. Yep. And I mean, then you see this reflected just on that stock specifically, I mean. Yeah, and if you see this reflected in the index, just because a large percentage of the index is controlled by, you know, a few companies, so as these companies go, so so does the index. Speaking of casting a wider net, I want to talk about the stock market in general because 
another Wall Street Journal piece by Spencer Jacob, who was on the show earlier this year. Uh, Spencer writes that buybacks, companies buying back their stock, OG, are at an all-time high. Buybacks for the S&P 500 are set to top $1 trillion, according to Goldman Sachs. And uh, companies buying back their own stock. And Spencer's wondering if that is showing us that maybe the stock market, that well, not the stock market, but people on Wall Street are trying to eke out a little more return. Why do companies buy their stock back? When organizations have profit, there's a few things that they can do with it. They can pay the shareholders the profit. So if Stacking Benjamins makes money this year, Joe, we get to share some capital profit. Capital I, capital F. <laughs> yeah, capital I, capital so- F. It's a dream. Everybody's got a dream. Yeah. We all have a dreams. man can dream. So you can dream too, Joe. You know, we own Stacking Benjamin. So if it makes a profit, then as the shareholders, the owners, we can share in that profit. We can take the cash. We can also take that cash and say, we should hire new people or we should add better technology or Joe should get a better camera. So his video is a little, oh no, that's as clear as it's going to get. Never mind. Um, that's as good as he looks. We should take his- it and blow it on a 40 city tour. Yeah. Uh, that's do that. We didn't use the profit for that. That was more of a, uh, you know, anyways, but, um, <laughs> so we can reinvest the proceeds or if we're a public company, I guess if you're a private company, you can do this too, but you can buy back your own stock. So you look at the stock market. So the fine folks at Netflix are looking today and going, huh, two twenty six. Hey, maybe that's a good price. Maybe they think that's a good price for that stock. And if they uh, think they're undervalued. Yeah. They think, they think it should right. be 700. And so they can buy back their stock, which reduces the number of shares outstanding, which has an effect of raising the price. So with companies having so much excess cash lying around, and this is happening to individuals as well, this is why we, you know, we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, the impact to uh, shareholders is that as, as a shareholder of a company that's super profitable, you don't want them to have lots of cash. You, you say, well, you made a billion dollars and you added 900 million to your checkbook, like, I'll take some, you know, I'm a shareholder, give it to me. And the executive team has to decide what's the best use for that. And, and sometimes that, that, that's a dividend, that's a special dividend. Sometimes it's, you know, buying a new factory or building a new one. And then sometimes it's buying back their own stock. So it gets a lot of, uh, negative press, you know, share buybacks because, because people think like that's not, it's not reinvesting in the business good enough. It's it's not you know if you're but not it a, truly is reinvesting in the business. You're kind of reloading your your weapons so that when the market goes back up, you can reissue those shares and and hopefully bring in even more cash to fund future operations. Right? Yeah, I guess there's one way to look at it. I, I was thinking about it like if you're not a shareholder or somehow involved in the organization and you see a company that made a billion dollars and they decided to just consume it internally, basically. You're going, well, why did you charge me so much for toilet paper then? <laughs> like, why didn't you just, oh, yeah. you know, so people get a little bit upset about that. But um, we're back to toilet paper. I, I, feel, <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like toilet paper is going to come up a lot. However, I feel like we got a theme to the new eight weeks. <laughs> You're going to hear that again, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we're starting. Forecasting. Yeah. So anyway, so that's what the shareholder buybacks are. Well, and and obviously you take, so you take what's going on at Netflix, you take shareholder buybacks, those two things. Let's throw in a third because individually, I don't know that these mean something, but I'm wondering if this third thing means that together, these are all more meaningful stock splits. Have you seen what's going on with stock splits? There's this huge resurgence in the stock split market, OG, and Laura Foreman writes that stock splits are financially meaningless, but the rush of them could be meaningful. 
there's this huge number of companies that are splitting their stock. So as the stock market goes down, they're looking at individual shareholders. And Laura kind of tries to make the point here that, hey, um, we're splitting our shares because we need individual investors to think of this as a sale and uh, and buy more. I think there's a little psychological impact there on on the stock splitting, but it's also because of the fact that well, up until recently, I mean, very recently within the last maybe six or eight months, buying fractional ownership of shares was very difficult and, and very costly. So, uh, you know, if you wanted to buy a share of Amazon, you had to fork over three grand and some change. So that does preclude some investors from, you know, from being able to, uh, to own that part of the market, which is another plus, by the way, for ETFs. But from a math standpoint, shareholder uh, splits or share splits, I should say, uh, shareholder splits would be completely messy because uh, that would be disgusting. You'd see like shareholder, like half a shareholder over here, half a shareholder oh, over there. Limbs everywhere. Oh, everywhere. just horrible. be like Fargo. Blood in the streets. Like a Guy Ritchie movie your on Wall Street. Buddy in the wood chipper then, eh? Anyways. Is, um, that, <laughs> is that your friend over there in the stock splitter? <laughs> the stock splitter. There That's the shareholder is. splitter. Joe Salci, ladies and gentlemen. The shareholder splitter. The stock splitter is an okay thing. The shareholder splitter is The bad. shareholder splitter. You know. It's what happens when you you get a divorce, you have a shareholder splitter. Anyways, so yeah, stock splits are functionally meaningless. I mean, it's completely meaningless. If you have 10 shares of a stock at, uh-oh, beware of doing sure. math in, on, 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 in real on time. Shows. But, yeah. Use but 100. To, <laughs> wait, it's got to be. Here's a tip. If the stock is trading at $7.11 and you have 19 <laughs> shares and it splits uh, 10 to 1, how many do you have? Or, you know, 7.3 to 1, how many do you have? Like, oh, crap. But um, it's the same value, right? You just have, you have 10 times as many shares for 10 times less the price. It's the same dollar amount. But it does incentivize people. If you all of a sudden you look at <laughs> Netflix is doing like a stock split themselves, just not really by splitting their stock. Some people are looking at Netflix at 200 bucks going, hey, it's on sale. Amazon is $30 a share. People go, oh my gosh, I can get a whole bunch of it. I remember when it was 30 bucks a share before and it went to 3000. Maybe I'll do it again. So it does have a psyche effect more than anything. Hmm. I like the thing you just brought up, uh, I don't know, 20 minutes ago. You've been talking for a long time. I can't I keep it straight, but, <laughs> but that, the ability now to buy fractional shares kind of makes splitting irrelevant. Yeah. I hadn't really thought of it that way. So that, that's uh because well, that's the only of. reason I'd heard the only reason that companies really split is to create that that more retail appeal to the lower end investment but the, community. But does the average person know that they can buy just a yet. half a share or yeah. a quarter share? No, I don't yeah, think but it's common. I mean, it's been around for a while, but now big more companies are getting into it. Stockpile's but, been doing it for, what, 10 years? But you bring up the yeah, point, stockpile which is charges why, a freaking dollar transaction, which is just insane. Talk about Talk about cost structure. Like, oh, no, it's only 99 cents. But because there was no competition in the market, but now there's starting to be competition and that'll come down. Go ahead, Joe. There's a reason I bring all three of these up, and I'm glad you brought this up, Doug, because we start off with Netflix and maybe trying to get the ship rewrited because of the fact that they are apparently running out of people subscribing to Netflix. So they may Netflix. They need to do a shareholder split. Well, well, look at the second piece, the stock buybacks. And so you've got companies looking at the stock market and using it as buybacks. What does that signal on top of stock splits happening? I mean, there's the thing the average person thinks here, OG, which is 
all of these things, does this mean that people in the know on Wall Street think the stock market is way high and is well, shareholder still buybacks come down a bunch? Or stock buybacks are are actually quite bullish. That means that the executive team thinks, hey, we've got really good stuff going on here, and you guys are still pricing us based on yesterday's news. So we'll take it. If nobody else wants it, we'll take it at this price. We think that's really attractive. The stock splits, you know, it doesn't really have a material impact, but it can incentivize other investors who might want to buy, you know, a share of Amazon or whatever, instead of it being 3000 bucks, it's 300 bucks. It might be a little bit more feasible. So, so there's a little bit of that. But I think out of all of those things, the most interesting news is the buybacks. Interesting stuff. We're going to link to all those stories on our newsletter, the 201, where we do deeper dives into all of these Brooke Miller on our team always finds ways to take the discussions we have here, make them even more interesting and go into depth on all these topics. Stackingbenjamins.com slash 201 for you to sign up. Hey, coming up next, Logan Leckie is just a great developer in the UK of financial apps. And he loved Grant Sabatier's book, Financial Freedom, like we did. We did an interview with Grant when the book came out, of course. Uh, fantastic book that Grant did. I was so happy, by the way, that Grant also was the MC of our event in Columbus, Ohio. Grant and I got to do some catching up there. But while we were catching up, Grant was all excited about this new app that they're working on. And OG, I have not seen an app that's directly made for the financial independence community, just period. I've seen a lot of apps that help the financial independence community, but one that's made based on that. And Logan reached out to Grant, the two of them partnered up. So we used to do a segment on the show called the Friday FinTech segment, where we talked about a cool new piece of FinTech. Mm -hmm. These are not, by the way, sponsored segments, even though we're excited about this app. Just want to be very clear that there's, there's no sponsorship here. I just love it when I see innovation in our little segment of the market and Grant and Logan paired up for some, what I think is pretty amazing innovation. And the cool news is it's free and we'll get into that as well. But before we get there, uh, I believe we got to talk about the piano man, Doug, don't we? Hey there stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, (laughs) man. Joe's mom just loves it. When I sing Billy Joel to her, nothing eases her mind after a long day of waxing her legs. Like my 10 minute rendition of she's always a woman to me. Billy Joel is one of the best-selling artists of all time, but unfortunately, he's also one of the biggest losers as far as being scammed goes. According to FinancesOnline.com, the musical legend trusted his ex-brother-in-law with his cash and ended up losing big. No offense, but I wouldn't trust my brother-in-law to carry eggs in from the car. So how much did Billy Joel lose to his familial manager's financial mismanagements? Was it $9 million? 19 million or 90 million dollars i'll be back with the answer after i say goodbye to hollywood well you know what i think about navy federal i think about the veterans that have done so much for our country and i also think about some of our active service members want to say a special shout out to uh, my nephews colin and nathan who are both in the navy Colin is stationed outside Seattle, Washington on a submarine, and my nephew Nathan is in South Africa as an air traffic controller. And in Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants you also to celebrate members, many of whom go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. It's all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, 
and their family are eligible for Navy Federal membership. They offer 24-7 help from their U.S.-based member service. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equalizing lender. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, stackers. I'm karaoke soprano man and lounge lizard extraordinaire, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Billy Joel worked with his brother-in-law at the time, Frank Weber, who acted as his manager. Unfortunately, Weber wrapped Joel in a web of lies and ended up treating his riches like petty cash to fund his own affairs. He funded several investments, ultimately losing the piano man millions. So how much did Billy Joel lose to his manager? $90 million. I bet it was his brother-in-law's turn to be moving out after that. And now, let's say hello to two guys moving on down to the basement, Grant Sabatier and Logan Leckie. Hey everyone, it's your old pal, neighbor Doug, talking to you from the future. At the time we recorded this, Logan and Grant were sure they were going to be launching their app right about now. But it appears it's still going to be about three weeks away. So join the waiting list at the same URL they're about to mention if you want to sign up. Okay, here's our interview. Well, I'm super excited about an app, and I'm also super excited that to give us the deep dive on how it works, how it was founded, and really what innovations are coming. We have the founders of the Topia app. It's Logan Leckie and my friend Grant Sabatier with me. How are you, gentlemen? Good. How are you? I'm great. Grant, I feel like we never talk. Actually, I feel like we just spoke last week in Columbus. We had fun together, and I was so happy you were able to MC my event, but you were filling me in on this cool app that you and Logan have. And I guess, you know what? I was going to, Grant, talk to you for a second, but I really need to give this to Logan. Logan, you're the genius behind this app. Tell me where the idea came from and how you got started building Topia. The story behind Topia is I discovered FI probably about four or five years ago now. Like many of the people in the FI community, got very, very passionate and ecstatic about my journey to FI. And the kind of raw ingredients which started forming Topia were a combination of my passion for FI and the kind of positive effect it could have on people's life. But also, I started seeing a lot of people really struggle to get started with FI. And I started seeing this great opportunity that maybe there was room and scope to build a tech solution which helped people get started. What seemed to happen time and time again is I would be talking to my friends, talking to my family, and I'd be kind of saying, hey, guys, there's a thing called FI. You know, you can, you can unlock more freedom. You can, like, it's great. Like, read this, do this, like, check out this, and be this really kind of overly excited kind of puppy in, in, in the room with them. But then nine times out of ten, when I followed up with my friends and family and said, right, guys, have you read that? Have you done that? Nine times out of ten, it would be, oh, Logan, you know, I, I just didn't quite get the 4% thing. Or I just, I just saw this Excel spreadsheet and just thought, what on earth's going on? So just started seeing those people really close to me struggle to get started. So thought, 
maybe a tech solution could be great in making FI more accessible to a lot more people. I want to talk about that friction because you talk about a 4% or some of the other rules of thumb that people have. Is that, Logan, where you think the friction really is for people getting in that they can't wrap their head around some of the concepts? Is it the fact that, you know, you talked about, have you read the book? Have you done the thing? People just don't want to read. They don't want to, you know, it's kind of like that joke. I don't have time to go to meetings. Tell me about where you think the friction is that the FI community is missing that the app hopefully solves. So I think, you know, especially when you talk about the younger generation, I think we're a generation who want things on demand, super easy, really automated. So yeah, like you said, I think a big friction point is just the amount of content out there. And then I don't know, but of- Logan, I'm 54 years old and I want things easy and right now too. So it's not, just, <laughs> it's not just 20 somethings, but I think, I think it goes a little bit older than that. But anyway, I'm sorry. Well, that's why we're going to sign you straight up to Topia, Joe. So, uh, so uh, don't you worry. But, um, you know, on top of that, what, what I found again, the more I kind of spoke to people getting started on their FI journey is those who did kind of deep dive into the FI content actually almost came out the other end even more confused because, I mean, there's so much great content out there. Podcasts, blogs, you know, Netflix shows on FI, which is great. But, you know, I was speaking to one of our um, users the other day who said they discovered FI. They then spent the next kind of six weeks reading every single Mr. Money Mustache blog and then came out the other end kind of even more overwhelmed and confused about where to start. And just having something which is there to guide you and just provide the kind of right start here, right, do that, like this is the next step and to make it much more easier and much more kind of frictionless to get started, I, I think is key in unlocking that avenue of getting more people into the FI movement. Man, I am right there with you because I feel like people have all kinds of information, right? And they still don't do anything. And that's the frustration I always have is it's not about what you know, it's about what you do. Grant, tell me about you getting involved with the project because I know that uh, you and Logan had some pretty passionate conversations and you, you were fired up about this when I talked to you in Columbus. Yeah, I mean, I really think it's game changing. You know, when I started my financial independence journey back in 2010, the only thing that was available really was Mint. And Mint is, you know, still around. Obviously, it's sold to Inuit. But really, the two primary apps that people who are pursuing financial independence or really are taking their finances, I would say, seriously are Mint and, you know, personal capital. And, you know, I've been a longtime user of both of those apps. And one of the things I've always struggled with is there's always been a huge gap between the functionality that I wanted those apps to have uh, in order to support my own journey. And so, Pretty early on, I'd say 2015, you know, shortly after reaching financial independence, I wanted to build an app, but the barrier to entry was so high at that point. So I could have gone out and spent, you know, $100,000 building this and, you know, it would have been really challenging and it was difficult to hook up bank accounts because the technology just wasn't where it's at today. And so I've always wanted to build an app that supports people on their financial independence journey. Just my book, you know, when you go to my book website, there's 12 different calculators I built and literally thousands of people are using those every month. I'd love to just send them one place where they could do everything that they needed to do and automate as much as possible. And so I've been hungry for this app you know, now for well over a decade. And Logan reached out to me uh, in the middle of the pandemic with this idea. He'd made a little bit of traction, but you know, I get a lot of pitches and I just thought it was cool, but didn't respond. And then he emailed me about probably six months to the day later, said, hey, you know, I've got 
got a beta up, you know, we built this, we've got this challenge, you know, we took this from your book, we used that, you know, we'd love to get your eyes on it. So I'd seen that he'd made progress. So we ended up hopping on the phone, you know, he showed me what they were up to. But, you know, like a lot of things in life, you know, other things took precedence in my own life. So once again, hey, Logan, sorry, good luck to you. Fast forward another six months. Now it's been a year since that original outreach. And he says, hey, Grant, don't know where you're at in life. We built the thing. It's out. People are using it. People are loving it. It's real. Uh, You know, Logan's persistence as, as well as more importantly, just the commitment to the mission, which there's a lot of people in the finance world. They talk a big game, but now knowing Logan and having had these conversations and seeing, you know, what he's built and been a part of it, I know that his heart's in the right place. I know that he really does want financial independence available to everyone. And this is really about meeting people where they are. So we've reduced the barrier. You can sign up, you know, in a couple of minutes, you can link your bank accounts. It's going to pull your data and show you right where you are on your FI journey, as well as make immediate recommendations for you to take that next step and accelerate your journey. There's a community behind this. I mean, it's just, it's a dream come true for someone like me, you know, who this has been my life and my mission, just to see this next generation are doing and taking this and standing, you know, just like I stood on the shoulders of Pete and Vicky Robin, uh, you know, now Logan, just being able to build off of things that I've created and others just for this next generation mindset. And so much of this is continuing to evolve and it really is a game changer. And so once I got under the hood, uh, decided to invest, become an advisor, and then recently joined on actually as co-founder. So I'm all in on this app and like anything else, if it adds value to your life, you're going to tell the people around you. And I'm so confident in this that just trying it out, uh, you know, we don't have a marketing budget. We don't have big investors. I I think this is going to spread like absolute wildfire because it just adds so much value to your life. It's so easy to use and there's really nothing like it. I obviously was excited to talk to you guys about it. It's so interesting to me because there's so many apps out there, but I can't point to one specifically made for what most of the FI community is trying to do. But even before we dig into how the app works, man, a lot of these apps come out, as you know, Logan, better than most. They're only available for the iPhone or only on Android. It looks like you're already on both. Correct. We'll be launching on both iPhone and Android. The interface looks super slick, but walk me through it. Tell me what happens. Just walk me through this step by step. Yeah, so there are are a couple of different layers of Topia which you'll go through. The the first port of call is connecting in your accounts and starting to build your kind of roadmap to FI so you can see exactly where you are, how long it's going to take you to get there, and you start just getting an overview of of where you are in your FI journey. So that's the kind of base layer. Um, The next two layers are probably what I get most excited about and what we hear adds the most value to our users because after we've got people set up and they know where they are on their journey, our mission is, is all about, and every feature we built was all about helping them to optimize and helping them to get to fight much quicker than if they weren't using Topia. So once you've set up, we've got things like the Tinker feature where you can kind of create little scenarios within your finances. So you can say, you know, what if I saved 3% more or a couple of hundred dollars more? How would that impact my FI journey? Or you could say to Topia, you know, what if I set up a side hustle? What if I bought a buy to let? What if I did that? What if I did this? And, and all of this is to kind of spark ideas of different ways that you could start optimizing your finances and start reducing your time to FI. And because the wonders of compounding, what happens nine times out of 10 is people really underestimate how small changes in your finances mm. can have such massive impact on your time to FI. So it's contextualizing all of that around your time to FI. And then 
On top of that, we've got other cool features, which is all about, you know, starting to change your money mindset. And, you know, a great feature, which I pulled from Grant's book, which I'm sure he can elaborate on, but is this idea that when you come onto Topia, we give you your Topia number, which is completely personalized to you. And what that is, is how much you need to invest today to buy you one day of freedom and to basically move your FI date one day closer. And again, because of compounding, the number is always much, much smaller than you think. And, you know, the token number might be $3 and it just completely changes your day to expenditure because it's no longer, oh, that's just three bucks. That's just, you know, a coffee. It's, wow, it's a whole day I'm about to take out and, and spend. And it's those sorts of little things which are super unique to FI, which we ingrain throughout the app all on this mission to start changing people's money mindset, to start helping them optimize and get to FI as soon as possible. So that's the kind of second layer, which, which is all about the optimization. And the final layer, which Grant touched on, is this community, which we're kind of filtering throughout Topia, the app, which is if you have any questions or have any edge cases, you can jump straight into the community, which is kind of categorized based on where you are in your FI journey. And within the community, um, you can speak to other people. You can ask questions. We also have FI mentors, which are people who have already reached FI or are just, you know, ultra passionate and knowledgeable. And they're kind of floating around the community there to answer any questions, you know, help people out along the way. Um, so it's just this kind of hub where we, we just want everything you need there. Super simple, really accessible and right at your fingertips. I love the idea of surrounding yourself with smart people. But I also love this idea, Grant, you and I kind of touched on this when we were together last week, this idea that, you know, at, at one point you read a book like Financial Freedom and you're really excited. And then three weeks later, that excitement kind of goes away. I feel like the Topia app kind of keeps that motivation going, right? Yeah. I mean, it's all about behavioral change. You can't figure out where you want to get without first knowing where you are. You know, the first level of financial freedom uh, that I've always talked about is just getting clarity on your situation. You know, just getting people to see everything in one place. You know, what's your net worth? You know, what do you owe? Where are you starting from? And then just picking a goal in the future, you know, even out pulling it out of the sky just as a reference point, and then starting to understand that everyday money decisions are really just a trade-off. And I figured out early in my own financial independence journey, because I'm such a nerd, that you know every $100 I was saving, I was buying a week of freedom in the future. And so I knew relatively early that time is so much more valuable than money. Obviously, you know, I built that into my own work. And so we built that into the app. So this idea that money, you can always go out and make more money, but you're not going to be able to get back your time. And so time is more valuable. And so realize that whenever you're spending money, you know, you're not saving it and you're trading this future freedom for it. And it's this mindset shift. It's a simple habit shift. And then like anything, you know, we know money is very much like a game. And so when you figure out where you're at and you just start getting a few quick wins, you're hooked. I mean, how many of us have started tracking our net worth and made a few changes and started seeing it go up? Once we help the user make a couple of those changes, we want to be with them all the way to the end of their financial independence journey. So it's a very uh, non-judgmental, supportive, open space where everyone's working together, you know, as a community to create more freedom in their life, whatever that means for them. And not only is there nothing like this, which is also really surprising. I actually right. thought... I'm thinking that the whole time we're talking, Grant. I'm thinking, well, why does this already exist? Yeah, and I've had the pleasure now of being able to meet the CEOs and the founders of some of the biggest fintech apps in the United States and talk with them. And, you know, they've paid me for consulting time. And I would have loved if someone else had picked up this baton early on. I was talking about it from the beginning 
but for some reason, you know, I think it's just when you have an app that's you know funded by big investors, there's an expected sort of endpoint and rate of return. And so a lot of the apps, you know, they become these super apps, you know, they have to monetize in a way that, you know, at the end of the day, I think is a big trade-off for them. And so most of the big apps, because they have such big investors, have to make choices that don't allow them to play the long game like we're building and we're playing. And, you know, the cool thing about this now, it's, it's grassroots, right? It's, it's the fire movement is a movement. It's always spread from person to person. And as much as like big finance has tried to make it their own and co-opt it and use it in their own marketing, people see through that. That's the beautiful thing about this community is that it really is a growing group and a growing community. And I think the fact that, you know, we don't have huge investors, we're not coming out with big money. We're just a small team launching this thing and getting it out there. You know, I think that gives it a higher chance of success. Um, and I'm, hey, you know, it was going to happen sooner or later. And I'm, I'm happy to be part of it. And we have early mover advantage. And yeah, at the end of the day, the market determines the quality, right? And it'll spread and it'll grow and people get value from it or it won't. But I'm, I'm confident that uh, it is so valuable and it's so life changing that people are going to love it. I love the idea of community because I think that as humans, we're natural collaborators. And I think we build off each other's success. We are a product of who we're around. But I got to tell you, that's not my favorite part of Topia. I really, Logan, love the tinkering. I just think the more that I tinker with these if-then scenarios, the more my brain, when I go out on a hike or a walk or whatever, I, I continually think about all the possibilities and the things that I could do. And for me, personally, that's what lights my fire is, is going, okay, if I make this little change, if I make that little change, what can I do? And Grant, to your point, the fact that these little changes can make such big changes is just so flipping exciting. And if you get discouraged, just fire up the app. And I think you can, you're not going to be discouraged 10 minutes later, right? Two more questions. Question number one is that everybody with any app worries about security. I just have to ask you about security. I'm fairly certain I know what your answer here is going to be, but I want you to say it for the record and for all the stackers out there. If I feed my accounts into the Topia app, Logan, how do you keep my information safe? Yeah, so to start with, we partner with Plaid or Plaid, depending on how you pronounce it, which is one of the biggest open banking providers in the world. So they know exactly what they're doing in, from a security standpoint and everything else. And then in terms of what we do internally, I mean, I, I share the exact same concerns which you do, which meant we put in place everything we possibly could to make sure Topia is as tight as it can be from a security standpoint. So we regularly carry out the penetration testing. All the data is encrypted. We use kind of military-grade encryption. Everything we could have possibly done, we've done because um, security is everything when it comes to something as important as your money, time, and freedom. Yeah, we don't store any of your bank account information, any of your login, any of that. You know, that hooks up through Plaid, and Plaid is push only. And so what that means is the data gets pulled into Topia, but Topia is not able to make any changes, you know, to your bank account in any way. You know, we're just able to, to pull the data and analyze it and make recommendations. And then making the changes is, is something that you do. And people out there listening, uh, banks use Plaid. So yes. you're, you're using bank level security when you use Plaid. Uh, the second question is, I have heard zero opportunities for you guys to make money on this thing. As I'm going through all these cool features, you know, for you guys to stay in business, there has to be a way for you to make money. Is there a subscription to Topia? Is it something where you monetize later? Tell me about how you're going to make money doing this. To be completely transparent, it was something which we had kind of lots of debates about, was very much something we we're thinking about. And 
fundamentally, if we kind of bring it back to what our mission is, which is to help people reach FI, it just never felt quite right. Trying to do what a lot of the other big fintechs out there, which is constantly, you know, have their kind of eyes looking for ways that they can monetize, looking at ways they can kind of tap into the user base and, and start making money from them. So it was something we brainstormed a lot, debated a lot. And, and where we settled is building in this concept called the Tokyo Patrons, which is basically what we say to users is, look, you know, we want to help you reach FI. We want to build a great product. If you want us to carry on working on this and, and carry on bringing out great features which help you reach FI, then you can opt in to a subscription and opt in to support us. And what we basically worked out is, you know, how much does it cost us per user for them to put their accounts in and, you know, what, what's that cost for us? We let our users know that so they know how much they need to support us if they want us to cover their costs. And if they support more than that, then it's helping us kind of fuel our roadmap. We've got lots of really, really exciting things we want to be working on over the next, you know, 12, 24 months. So that's what we settled on in terms of the revenue model. I don't know whether Grant wants to add something to that. From the beginning, we've been all about full transparency. And to use a plaid, it cost us about $3 a month per user of our own money just to have someone hooked up to plaid. You know, there's certain edge cases where if someone comes on every day and it's just like refreshing their bank accounts a million times, you know, that costs us a lot of money. But please don't do that. Right? Yeah, exactly. On, on average, it's going to be about $3 per user per month just to pay for that. And so we're very transparent about that in the app. We say, hey, it costs $3. Do you want to give $3? You can give $0. Do you want to give $10? And actually, if you give, say, at like the $10 a month level, we're going to show you what that money is going to go towards. And so one of the things that's cool about this is there's already so many features and so much value built into this app. I mean, it's unlike anything that exists, but our roadmap is also even cooler. And that's the fun thing is like, we haven't even gotten to all of the features that we want to implement over the next six months. And this is one of the things where, you know, Logan is just a master engager with users. And it's one of these cool things because the users themselves are like, well, what if you had that, this, or what if you had that, or can you try this? Or this would add a lot of value. And these are people who are actively on the journey and so these are all features that, you know, we're taking into account and putting into our dev map and roadmap to actually get them built. There have been a fair amount of venture capital interest. Uh, and I commend Logan for saying no to one of the largest VC companies in the United States who, who made a very significant offer to invest in Topia. Uh, and Logan decided against it because, you know, he wanted and we wanted the freedom to be able to make some of these choices without saying, hey, you know, we need to be a billion dollar company and go public just for an investor to get their money back. And so that's given us a lot of freedom. And remember, at the end of the day, Joe, we talked a lot about building your business around your life, not your life around your business. And, and we really live by that. And we don't want to be chained to investors just like we would, you know, say a corporate job. And so this ethos runs deep. We work hard. We have a lot of fun doing this. We're really enjoying it. It's a journey like anything else. And, you know, we want everyone to be a part of it. And so, you know, if you're interested in a feature, just hit us up. It's easy to get in touch with us. And we want your help as well. People have come out of the woodwork already, just making recommendations and even the offers to help. You know, the, the FI community is really creative. There's a lot of software engineers in the FI community, people stepping up, wanting to help, one, wanting to help us build this. And that's the most amazing thing is all because it really is community effort so far. And we're just getting started. I just can't, though, get by the fact that Logan gets this bajillion dollar investment offer and turns it down. So he's nuts. Like, <laughs> I think I, I think I influenced that. I think I walked through the trade-offs of 
Yeah. There's a really amazing book. I just want to give a shout out to Rand Fiskin, the founder, the creator of Moz. He wrote a book, amazing book called Lost and Founder about him taking on venture capital money early on. And, uh, you know, it really just wrecked his life in a lot of ways. And the book is just absolutely incredible. Uh, and that was one of the first things, you know, that I passed on to Logan and just said, hey, man, this is a trade-off. Uh, and for me, it's great because I'm already five times five, you know, in my own life. And so I, I can make certain choices. And, you know, Logan you know, is like a little brother to me, you know, where I, I can say, hey, man, here are the trade-offs, here are the choices, here's what I would do, uh, you know, but ultimately it's up to you. Now I have a bit more of an equity position in the app, so I have a little bit more sway. But uh, it, at the end of the day, you know, I really trust Logan and this partnership, and, and I think it was the right decision to give us the freedom to do this the, the way that we want to. You know, we're, we're so kind of passionate and such big believers in the mission, and I think the scariest prospect for any founder, entrepreneur, or kind of anything in between is, is I guess, losing control and, and having take something which you care so deeply about and almost molding and pushing you and, and the business into something which it isn't. So I think it was a great decision to keep our autonomy and give us the ability to kind of mold Tokyo into what it is today. And I love the fact that it is free for people that are beginning their journey because, Logan, to your point at the beginning of this interview, it is hard to get started. Getting on the path, I think, is the big piece of friction you got to get over because it's such a wonderful journey once you get on the path. But I'll also say this as a guy who's been around for 10 years, and I hope our stackers hear this that the biggest shame is the number of kick-ass apps I've seen that have gone extinct because people didn't support them. So just because it's free doesn't mean uh, that you shouldn't support the app. Support the stuff that you love to keep it around because people can't keep doing it if there's not enough revenue coming in to keep it moving. It's called the Topia app. Uh, Logan Grant, so excited to have you guys on and to chat with you. Congratulations on the journey so far. And as things change with the app and you're on to the next set of features, which I think we'll just leave for next time, we'd love to have you back. Yeah, we'd love to come back. Thanks for the support, Joe. And yeah, just Topia, T-O-P-I-A-A-P-P.com. You can get all the download links there. If there's something that we missed or you want us to add, you know, feel free to reach out to us because we're deep in the trenches and, and we're excited to, to hear what you think. Yeah, thanks so much, Joe, for having us. Hey, I'm Rob Berger. When I'm not rolling in the dough, that's right, I'm stacking Benjamins. Big thanks to Grant and Logan for hanging out. And I love this idea, OG, of running what-if scenarios of, hey, what if I tried to do that? What if I save $5 more? What if I save 1% more? What if I save this? Like, what's the impact? I feel like we think about the impact today a lot, right? Can I afford to do that? But we don't look enough at how will just saving 1% more change my ability to retire earlier, get to my goal faster, whatever that is. I think they're onto something there that if we play with those numbers more often, we're more likely to envision and get where we want to go. The risk that you run, I love it, by the way, what if scenarios are kind of the backbone of what we do from a planning standpoint, but the, the risk that you run is what ifing it to death. Eventually, you have to decide on something now. You can say all day long, well, you know, maybe I'll do this or maybe I'll do that. Or maybe I should, you know, should I do this conversion or should I add this extra savings or all of those sorts of things. But one of those things you have to eventually pick and start taking the action necessary to move down that field. The great thing about financial planning is that it's ever growing. It's ever changing. You know, as soon as you make a plan tomorrow afternoon, Netflix goes down 35%. New plan. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like there's always stuff to work on and there's always stuff to get better at. So 
take the opportunity to review all those different what-if scenarios for sure, and then pick one to work on for the next six months or 12 months and just do it. And then go back to the drawing board and say, all right, this is where I am. What sort of changes or updates have happened? What are my different choices? Pick one to work on for the next six months and off you go. So. Love that I love that so much because we talked about the value of community, but there certainly it isn't about what you know or what you what if it's about what you do at, at the end of the day. Love that. But I want to go back to, to I want to go back to Doug's trivia because ninety million dollars, like how it's still every time I hear this Billy Joel story about him losing all that money, how, how do you how do you lose? And Billy Joel seems like a smart guy to me, but how do you lose ninety million dollars? I I think you probably over trust. You, you don't pay attention. You can have a financial manager and a business manager, but you still have to have the oversight and the, you know, check in once in a while and look for all the, yeah all the numbers. And if you're still being what, if you're being lied to and they're showing you fake financial reports, well then maybe there's not much you can do about that other than having an independent audit of your brother-in-law. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I think the way it happens is that you just, you just, think, ah, I'm going to keep making my music or doing whatever I'm focusing on to make money and somebody else, uh, they're going to do Don't take care of it. Yeah. And you got to pay attention. Still, still got to know. Have that weekly meeting that we always talk about. Well, it's also why people listen to the show just to keep the surround sound going. Yeah. Right. I found a really cool article about Netflix in case anybody cares. And then to put a pin in uh, Netflix, I was just uh, scrolling through the Wall Street Journal. And if you made a bad trade on Netflix, you know, it happens, right? Turns out uh, there's a hedge fund investor who in January thought that it was a good idea to buy Netflix. He bought $1.1 billion at $405 oh. a share. And after the oh. announcement uh, a couple of weeks ago about the earnings, said that they had lost confidence in their ability to predict the future of Netflix, which was interesting because, or is interesting, I should say, because I didn't know anyone could predict the stock market, but apparently this guy did, but didn't predict it well. And, uh, you know, casually lost $400 million. So, oh. so if you lost on a Netflix trade, I feel bad for you. If you lost $400 million on a Netflix trade, I do not feel bad for you. Would you rather lose $400 million on a Netflix trade or $90 million to your brother-in-law? <laughs> like, yeah. which, which one of those hells is worse? Yeah, exactly. And I don't know. Hey, no, we forgot, OG. We forgot our TikTok minute. That's the part of the show where we... <laughs> I got so excited about Logan and, and Grant and what they're working on that I completely forgot about this, but it's super cool. Every week on Monday, we take a look at one TikTok creator. They're doing something brilliant or maybe not doing something so brilliant. Today, we're going to talk about something you own that isn't that expensive. Let's listen in. Show me the coolest thing you own that isn't expensive. TikTok, I got this cool, smaller version of myself. All I had to do was convince a girl to like me, and now, bam, I've got a friend forever. Just He's holding his kid. Well, you have to see the video. The guy comes in holding his baby. I got this cool version of me. All I had to do was convince a girl to like me, OG. It's all. Nice. And, you get a, and, and by the way, when she said kid's not expensive. Yeah. Right. I would beg People to differ. People who don't have kids say kids are not expensive. Absolutely. Hey, on that note, let's uh, throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they believe in focusing on what you value most, Doug. What do I value most, Joe? Uh, long walks on the beach, poetry, and a good Barry Manilow song? Wow. It shouldn't be, a, for today, it's got to be a Billy Joel song. 
Don't you think? Not Barry Manilow. Billy Joel's a loser. I mean, he lost all his money. No, Barry Manilow, that dude stayed on top. He is still as big now as he ever was. It's about the, well, I would think that Billy Joel also pretty, pretty, pretty big. But uh, what does it say here? It says your loved ones and your time. And well, it fits right into Long Walks on yes. the Beach and Barry Manilow songs. With the soundtrack of your life playing in the background. And that's why they've made buying quality term life insurance actually simple. You can write the insurance policies that make the whole world sing. No insurance policies filled with love and special things. You can write the insurance policies that make the young girls cry. I'm a little uncomfortable with how well, you know, Barry Manilow. You'll write the insurance. You'll write the insurance. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm both in awe and terrified of you right now. (laughs) People under people under like 45 years old are like, what the hell is he doing? Yes. Just did that right off the cuff. We didn't plan any of that. Doug's getting goosebumps over here. How you're sexy. Head to stackingbenjamins.com slash Haven Life now to get a free quote. You can hit the pause button, go look up what the hell I'm quoting, and also go to Haven Life and very quickly find out their application simple. It's all online. You get an instant coverage decision. Price is affordable and all policies issued by their parent company, Mass Mutual, more than a 160-year-old insurer. You know, today for the Haven Lifeline, I want to give a shout out to all the people that have given us some really good financial planning questions is uh, we've gone around the country. OG uh, was with us in Texas, Is was with us in Chicago. Doug was with us in Boston and around Michigan. Paula Pant with us in several places, Doc G. But we've gotten some fantastic financial planning questions. But one I really liked was in Grand Rapids, Michigan, where Ray asked this question, OG. And I thought this was a really good question that we should not have just the Grand Rapids people hear the answer to, but also everybody gets an answer from you versus what Doug and I did the other day. Totally made it up. Totally on the spot. We're like, where's OG? Because we are, I don't know. But the question was, if there are just two or three basic things, you read all these financial books, OG, all these podcasts, all these people that say, do this, do this, do this. But if I really want to focus on what is the fundamental two or three things to do, Ray asked us, what are those things? And I thought that's a great thing for our whole audience. Two or three things to do. Do or think about the well, just the bedrock. What's the bedrock? Oh, that clarifies it. <clears throat> yeah, sure, that helped. Out well, because I don't want to clear. I, I don't really want to clarify it. I want him to just take it as is and see. Want to struggle goes. a little bit with this? Yeah, let's go. Let's see him sweat. I think that any. I don't think he's gonna sweat. Let's go, finance boy. <laughs> Dance, monkey. Dance, finance boy. <laughs> Dance. Dance, money guy. If you're getting started, you know, like if you're just saying, "Hey, I'm." just fresh out of school or back to square one. I just got out of the military. I'm like, what do I do now? If you can avoid consumer debt at all costs, I think that that is a large indicator of future savings and net worth potential. Anytime that you have consumer debt, whether it's a car loan or a student loan or a credit card or a personal loan or some sort of consumption that you did that now you're paying for for a long time it just it just is like death by a thousand paper cuts it doesn't feel bad in the moment until you quantify it in terms of not only the amount of money that you're spending every month but the amount of money that you're not saving because of that spend and quite often we look at those expenses and say like oh i need new living room furniture and they're going to give me no interest no payments for 5 years and I'll figure it out. And even if you're able to pay it off over that five-year period, 
without any interest. Just the fact that you have that outgoing cash flow of $200 a month to pay for a couch that's five years old, you know, it just, it has an impact on your ability to, to save. And then that compounds so much. I mean, we hear about like, Hey, if you can just put a hundred dollars a month in your Roth from 18 to 28, you never have to save any more money again or all that sort of stuff. You can't do that if you have a $400 car payment for seven of those years. In all likelihood, the money is not there. You have to make choices. And when you make a choice, you're, you're deciding on one thing versus another. And I think the consumer debt component of it is a large impact and it's very difficult to avoid altogether. But if you can limit it, that's a really, really, really big thing. And then the other thing that I would say, just looking back at my own history, is there's always money to save and invest. You know, I look back at, I'm 44, when I started uh, doing financial planning work, and even before I started doing it, I knew about it. The Roth IRA contribution limits were $2,000 a year, 160 bucks a month. Sorry for the math people out there, $166.66 a month. (laughs) But in any event, $160. And I didn't make a Roth contribution for the longest time. And I look back now, and I have a sibling who's younger than me by a decade and a half. I have another sibling that's younger than me by 11 years. And I'm like, oh my God, if I could go back and tell myself something back when I was 30, at this case, or 20, it would be, you have an extra $100. I don't care what you say. You can figure out a way, especially now with the advent of side hustles and project-based consulting and all that sort of stuff. There's so much opportunity to create that extra amount of savings that you will look back. If you're 50 years old, I guarantee you look back and go, yeah, it was tough. Yeah, being 20 was tough. Being 30 was tough. Being 40 was tough. But I wish I would have had a little bit more discomfort in my life in order to be a little bit further ahead today. Because that's really what it's about. It's about being okay with the being uncomfortable in your environment and stretching that a little bit. So staying away from consumer debt as much as possible. And that extends, I think, also to your house purchase. You know, you got most people have to go into debt to buy a house, but you don't have to buy an $800,000 house. You can buy $500,000 house or a $300,000 house. And there's a common thread there too between people who are financially independent. But staying out of debt as much as humanly possible and just investing. Because I guarantee in 20 years from now, you will look back and go, are you telling me I didn't have 50 extra dollars a month? I didn't have 50 bucks I could have put in my investment account. I didn't have 100 bucks I could put in my... Now, you might not have had 10,000 a month. I get that. But you had something. And the power of compounding, like Nick talked about a couple of weeks ago, is just so profound. And you just don't see it in real time. It's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to grasp. Pretty soon, Netflix is going out of business. So you can just take that money you were spending on that subscription and save that. <laughs> Grand Rapids was quite a few beers ago, Joe. So I don't remember all the details of how you answered that question to Ray. But I do recall one of your recommendations was automate the savings. And so to your point, OG, about you've got 50 bucks somewhere, somewhere along the line, you get a little bump in pay or through your side hustle, you you get a little extra money, but you didn't have that before. You were more than likely covering your basic expenses before. So when that extra 50 bucks comes in, going into your bank and automating a payment to your broker or your Roth or wherever 
Is that what you were talking about to Ray? Yeah, it I was just saying happens. just hide money from yourself. Hide money from yourself, yeah. Absolutely. And I love this idea, OG, of being a little uncomfortable thinking there's not enough money. I can't save it. There's not enough money. You know what, guys? If you think there isn't enough money and I just can't do it, just remember that there always is some money in the banana stand. <laughs> find some money for the family. There's always money in a banana stand. We don't have the money, Pop. There's money in the banana stand. And so Michael, his son, and his brother together enjoyed the cathartic burning of the banana stand. There was money in that banana stand. Well, it's all gone now, Dad. There's $250,000 lining the walls of the banana stand. Why didn't you tell me that? How much clearer can I say there's always money in the banana stand? No touching! No touching! <laughs> no touching! <laughs> If you didn't see that when it came out, that was Arrested Development. It's always money in the always banana stand. Always money in the banana stand. That's what I've got tattooed on my right shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think OG kids know what that tattoo means? I think be tearing the drywall off your walls of your house. I, I use it more metaphorically. <laughs> Big thanks to everybody for hanging out with us uh, and kicking off another eight weeks of shows. Thanks to everybody who's come out and joined us uh, as we've gone around the country on this uh, fantastic 40 city tour that we've been on that we may or may not be on as we record today's episode. We try not to just have a podcast. We have a complete community. If you want to see some videos of the ordinary people I'm interviewing around the country, head to our Instagram page, which is Stacking Benjamin's podcast on Instagram. Just put that in the search feature and follow us on Instagram. We also have a Facebook community, The Basement. StackyBenjamins.com slash basement gets you directly to that community where there's like-minded people. But you know what? Like we talked about over and over, it's not about what you know. It's not about what-if scenarios. It's about what you do. And if you just need to upgrade your team and think bigger about your goals as we kick off another eight weeks, OG and his team taking new clients. So head to stackingbenjamins.com slash OG to lead you to his team's calendar and maybe the first step on getting better with your money. All right, that's going to do it for today. So, Doug, what should we have learned today? Well, Joe, first, listen to Grant Sabatier and Logan Leckie. Want to improve with your money? Find a community of like-minded people and spend time asking what if more often to get your brain moving in the right direction. Second, the stock market? Wall Street can do whatever it wants, but your job? Focus long-term. Whether the market declines or improves over the short term, find ways to keep shoveling your money into the market to fund your dreams. But the big lesson, never trust your brother-in-law with $90 million. That's why I don't even have $90 million. Someone's probably just going to try and steal it. Yeah, that's exactly the reason. Thanks to Grant Sabatier and Logan Leckie. You can find their app, Topia, on the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store. Or for more details, go to topia-app.com. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2022, and is created by Joe Salcihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. The show is written by the brilliant Paulette Perhatch with help from Joe, me, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. After you listen to our show, check out the 201 Deep Dives written by our website manager and blog editor, Brooke Miller. You'll find the 411 on all things money at the 201. Just go to stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. 
Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude is our social media coordinator and the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So, say hello when you see us posting online. Here's a weird fact. Both she and Tina Eichenberg are never in the same room at the same time. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com basement. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at The Stacking Benjamin Show. Not only should you not take advice from these dorks, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. You know what, OG? You think long-term anyway, right? You think long-term. Nice save, Joe. Yes. <laughs> let's let's put a positive spin on this. Speaking of save, did you guys see that uh, baseball thing yesterday? This is unrelated. The uh, college? Yeah. The college? Yeah, it was fantastic. And <laughs> I mean, in the baseball world, everybody derides pitchers as not being real athletes. That pitcher is a real athlete because he leveled that dude. So my buddy sent that. That was his friend who called the game. Wait a minute, I didn't see it. What happened? Well, OG will tell us. Okay. I'll uh, I'll send you the link so you can look at it. Well, I've got it here. I can just show it to him on my phone right now. I've oh, got you got it, it right here. Cause, okay. um, yeah, because uh, I had seen it, but Finn sent what it to What did you do, Tucker just smoke I. a line drive at the pitcher? <laughs> no, no, the dude hit a dinger off of him. And then was flipping him off around the base, yelling, F you, F you, pitcher, F you. And then yeah, there was clearly some, some history, maybe. Yeah. You can see the ump is like pointing at the base runner. Tell him to tell him to. Okay, Chris, get his you have to listen to the. the yeah, we got the we got the Nissan commercial first. I tried to stop it and killed the whole thing. Oh, you got to turn the turn the. Uh... I, there's you don't need volume. <clears throat> oh, the volume's even better. Oh, for God's sakes! Well, I... <sighs> America's most reliable network. I know. You know, you had to watch an ad to watch a Twitter video. Oh my God, this is so hard. You got to go left further. Go left with that thumb. <laughs> right there, right there. <laughs> I love how for a 20 second clip, you got to watch four hours of commercials. I know. Watch the pitcher. What the hell's the pitcher doing? Watch, watch, watch. Bam. Oh my God. What are these schools? Is that, is two, that two schools you've never heard of? Oh, I thought it looked like Texas Tech. No. Oh, you may have heard of it. Weatherford College.
Oh, it's Weatherford College? It's Weatherford College in North Texas, something or another. Anyway, my buddy was uh, not on the field, but one of his friends did it. Said they uh, kicked the whole team out and went, oh, look, you don't have enough players. Game forfeited. Which team? The pitcher's team? Pitcher's team, yeah. The bench is cleared, so they probably, yeah. If they had to err on the side of who started it, it was probably the defense. Wow. Uh, yeah, but that was a real hit. That kid had played some ball in his past. It was he, a form tackle. Yeah, it was definitely the right mechanics. Uh, where the hell were we? Yeah, why did you start talking about that? You said good save. And I was like, ooh, <laughs> save. Pitcher, save. Ooh, That's save. a pitching term. Pitcher. That's Ooh. a pitching term. Baseball, baseball, baseball. What do I know about baseball? What can I do with baseball? Oh, there's a video. Funny. <laughs> All that happened in like a nanosecond. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans. And all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.